from the USA Today Network. Welcome to The Chop, a Rutgers football podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Ross, Chris Eisman, and Steve Edelson. And welcome back to The Chop, a Rutgers football podcast. Ryan Ross here with Chris Eisman and Steve Edelson. The Scarlet Knights coming off their bye week, getting ready for a home clash against Indiana. We will have an in-depth preview of this game coming up as we welcome the guys back to the show. Of course, last week on the bye week, some turmoil in the program with a change at the offensive coordinator for the Scarlet Knights, and we'll see how that all plays out on Saturday with a new coach installed calling the plays for the Knights. We'll see how it works out for them as they have a winnable game at home against Indiana. Rutgers 3-3 three and three on the season. Indiana 3-4. and four. Uh, According to our friends at Tipico, Rutgers will enter this game as a slight favorite, about a three-point favorite against a beatable Indiana team. They've had winnable games in front of them at home before, Chris, and it hasn't worked out. So when you look ahead to this game, uh, an Indiana team that's similar to Rutgers in, in a lot of ways. Uh, how do you see this one playing out, and, and what are you looking for on Saturday? Yeah, well, maybe the third time's the charm for Rutgers, right? I mean, they they obviously had the opportunity against Iowa, and even though Iowa has a really good defense, we knew that game was that game could have been winnable. Uh, obviously, Nebraska was certainly winnable, and that collapsed. So this time, they have a team in Indiana that, as you said, Ryan, is absolutely beatable. They're struggling. They've gone through their own issues, you know, on the coaching staff, firing. We'll get into this much more on the show, but, you know, firing their offensive line coach. So they've had a tumultuous season for sure. And this is another chance for Rutgers to come out and get a home win, you know, home Big Ten win for the first time since 2017. I mean, we've talked so much about how that how much that would mean to the program and how that that losing streak really needs to end. And listen, I mean, you know, if they have six games remaining. And in some ways, I actually I wrote this in a story today. In some ways, it's like it can be viewed as a new season. You know, I mean, they have a new interim offensive coordinator, Nunzio Campanelli. Um, you know, all three quarterbacks, all three scholarship quarterbacks, I should clarify, are, are available for the first time this season. Noah Vedrill, Gavin Wimsett, and Evan Simon. Um, so listen, I, I mean, I'm very, very intrigued to see, you know, just what this offense looks like under Campanelli, what they decide to do with the quarterbacks. Do they continue this rotation, shuffling guys in and out, or do they go with one quarterback for the most part um, and, and kind of let him, you know, settle into a rhythm? I'm going to give a prediction. I think that, and this is, uh, you know, complete, uh, just kind of my feeling on the situation. I think if Edgel is healthy, I think he'll start and we'll see some Gavin Wimsat, you know, in there as well. Um, but that's kind of the way I think that they'll go. But I, you know, at this point, none of us have any clue. Uh, so it's going to be very, very interesting to see what, what Rutgers is able to do on Saturday. Well, you know, and it's the latest must win. And with each one, it gets exponentially more important. And, you know, and this is just huge. You can only ask the fans to come back so many times and disappoint them in games that you should win or should be capable of winning at this point in the rebuild. So huge game. You know, and I think it is really intriguing for all the reasons that Chris just brought up. You know, the quarterback situation coming off a of bye week. You know, the new offensive coordinator, uh, what will it look like? I think there will be more stability at the quarterback position, however that works out. You know, probably uh, Noah Vedral, maybe Gavin Wimsett, but, you know, we'll see. But I think whoever is in there is going to be the quarterback, uh, you know, with your bringing in Johnny Langan and occasionally Wimsett. But I, I think they're going to have to have a little bit of stability. I think that'll be part of the game plan. And uh, I think it all makes for a very intriguing uh, game because no one knows what's going to happen. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the offense will look a little bit more like it did at times last season, right, towards the end when Gavin Musa was getting his opportunities. But especially since Gavin's coming back from an injury, I don't think that they're going to throw him right into it for extended stretches. But we'll see. They might. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing is, too, is if they win this game, you know, for all the, the talk about how the rebuild is falling behind and, um, you know, this isn't, you know, they're not as good as they expected to be at this point. If they win, they'd be four and three. <laughs> they'd have a winning record and they'd be two wins away from a ball game. You know, obviously Michigan State is vulnerable. You know, Maryland has been playing well, and but now they have some, you know, maybe an injury at quarterback, and that so that question comes in. So the finale, this, this regular season finale, could be really interesting. So listen, I mean, you win this game, and they're four and three, and the season looks a heck of a lot better. So again, we keep saying it; it's a big opportunity for Rutgers, whether they're actually taking advantage of it or not of it or not is the big question. Yeah, and if you want more positivity, I think the bye week comes at really the perfect time. I mean, they've played six games, so, you know, it happens right in the middle of the season. You get a reset here. You get some time time to be healthy, get some guys healthy that were banged up, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, sure, you make the, the change at offensive coordinator, but you do it on a bye week, so you have two weeks to try to get some things fixed, try to get some new things installed, and then you have a game, as we said, that's winnable at home. And, and you know, it's certainly not a cupcake, but if you had to start – the second half of your season coming out of a bye against any team remaining on your schedule, this Indiana team at home is is probably the one you would pick. So it's certainly an opportunity. And, you know, there should be, like you said, Chris, some positivity heading into this game that maybe they are turning a corner, maybe that they got some things fixed over the course of the bye. They got healthy again. And this is the second season, as you said, in this one long season. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, listen, the, the tough thing is, and I, I've said this before, too, it's like until you actually see Rutgers do it, it's tough to know whether they're going to be able to, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, and as as I said, they do have a new offensive coordinator, obviously. I, You know, you talk to people about Nunzio Campanelli, and they speak very, very highly of him. I did a story earlier this week. I spoke to uh, Greg Toll, you know, who we worked for at Don Bosco, and, and I spoke to his brother, Vito Campanelli, who succeeded him at Burton Catholic as the head coach. And Obviously, they, they spoke highly about, you know, his, his mind as, as an offensive coach, his creativity, how he communicates, how he teaches, all these things. You know, the personnel, with the exception of having three healthy scholarship quarterbacks for the first time, the personnel isn't changing. So, you know, I, I think that's why I'm so intrigued. Can he take what he's given him and in essentially maybe like two weeks fix this offense to a point? And I don't think anybody's expecting it to turn into Ohio State, but just be competent, just move the ball with some degree of consistency and if they can do that, I think they'll give themselves a chance. And if you pull off this win, it extends the season. If you lose this game, it's pretty much over, right? I mean, you're playing out the string. You know for sure you're not going to the playoffs. You're not going to get to get a bowl bid. Um, so I think I think that is the importance here is is to try and uh, extend the excitement, get gets get things going here. You have one chance to do it. Um, we'll see. Absolutely. And as we said, they have this Indiana team coming in and we're going to take a closer look at the Hoosiers because they're a team, as I said, similar to Rutgers, some consistency issues, some things they do well, some things that they do not so well. Uh, We took a much closer look at the Hoosiers. Thanks to the help of our friend from the USA Today Network, Dustin Doperak from the Bloomington Herald Times and Indy Star, an in-depth breakdown of this game. Here's what Dustin had to say. We're now joined by our colleague from the USA Today Network, Dustin Dopirak. He's the Indiana Athletics beat writer for the Bloomington Herald Times and Indianapolis Star. He was a guest on our show last year. So, Dustin, welcome back to the chop. Thanks for having me back, guys. Appreciate it. 
Good to be back. Absolutely. As we look ahead to this game, uh, we go back to last year first. Rutgers blew out Indiana last season in Bloomington. So how does this season's team compare to the Hoosiers team of last year? Well, uh, good question. I, I think they are they're more locked in on some level, but obviously they're, they're, they've not been very, very successful. I think, you know, obviously last year they went in, um, you know, just believing they were supposed to be really good. I mean, they obviously were preseason top 25 coming off uh, a six and two season, the COVID year, you know, with, uh, you know, an Outback Bowl trip and just everything seemed to be going uh, in a pretty good direction. Um, but I think even by the time they played Rutgers, it, it was clear that kind of the, the wheels were coming off uh, more or less. And so um, I think it was well on their way by that point. I mean, they, they might have, all, I think it was November when they played Rutgers and they were already just completely falling apart. Um, and I think, you know, basically they did a lot of reassessing uh, of that year. And one one issue obviously was major injuries. Uh, basically they, by, I think by the time they played Rutgers, I think they were in the third quarterback. Uh, they had Donovan McCauley at that point, um, who was a true freshman who hadn't played in the spring. So he was really, you know, thrown into it. Um, and it got a lot of other guys hurt. And also there was just this sense, you know, when they really – looks back at it, they felt like there was a lack of accountability and a, a lot of guys were sort of allowed to, you know, coast on previous successes, basically that, that there was just this sense uh, that, that they were going to have a baseline level just by showing up that by being Indiana, that, that, you know, that by having the success they'd already had, you know, basically they were going to come in at just a team that could go eight and four just by showing up. Um, and they were sort of reminded that they're still Indiana football and Indiana football will never be able to go eight and four just by showing up um, that no one is afraid of the name on the front of your Jersey when you, when it says Indiana. So um, they, they did a lot of recalibrating there. And I think, they are in a better place mentally, um, but they also have a, a lot of new guys too, a lot of transfers, a lot of people that weren't even really a part of 2020 in the first place. Um, so I, I think it's a group that is in better mental shape, even though it has lost four games. Uh, but it has lost four games, uh, and it hasn't shown a, a, a you know uh, a lot of capacity to be able to beat really good football teams. It's got issues on both sides of the ball. It, it's again, they're, they're not. You know, the wheels haven't come off the offense yet, um, but it's clear that it has issues. Obviously, they had to fire their offensive line coach, you know, last week. Um, so that tells you, uh, uh, gives you a, a good sense of, you know, where things stand. They haven't been able to sustain a running game, even though they have at least two decent, if not great, running backs. Uh, I wouldn't say either one of those guys is all Big Ten leveled, even in a good year, um, but they're, they're, they're pretty good. You know, they, they, Sean Shivers and Josh Henderson can do their job, and they've got a true freshman, Jalen Lucas, who's starting to get some more carries, uh, who's small but really really explosive like you, you know basically get him out in the open field and he can really scorch people um but it's just it, it's a group that's you know so finding itself isn't is, is okay but isn't super talented um is hard having a hard time finishing games is having a hard time being consistent in games uh you know it tends to make you know it, it does not have a very hard, high margin for error and yet it makes frequent errors um so it's it's a lot of things that aren't going great, but I mean, I, I, it's a more functional product than you saw at the, in, in November of 2021. Um, but it's not necessarily an, an intimidating group. Dustin, you mentioned the fact that they fired their offensive line coach, um, and it's interesting. Rutgers actually, you know, Rutgers defensive line has been pretty good uh, this year. So I, I guess, how big of a problem has Indiana's O line been, and, and what kind of what is that going to mean for you know this game where? You know, for as many issues as Rutgers has had offensively, its defense has been pretty solid. Yeah, no, I mean, they, they can lose up front, and they have. Um, I, I think, you know, they, they were obviously able to beat Illinois in week one. Um, but if you really commit to taking Indiana's run game away, you can swallow it whole. Um, I mean, you, you can make them, you know, one-dimensional really fast, uh, basically, by, just by – 
you know, your ability to win up front. I mean, Illinois com- committed a lot of bodies. And they got, got, kind of got that like five man bare front going. Um, and basically, you know, uh, Indiana had to throw it a lot and, and they can move the ball throwing it. Um, but they're not so good at it that they're going to crush you. Um, you know, by virtue, they, they might be able to put two, 275, 300 yards up uh, if they throw the ball 50 times. You know, they, they can get there um, for sure, and they have. And Basilak's up there, I think, like tw- top 20 or so uh, in passing yards in the country, but he might be number one in attempts. Um, you know, I, I, if, he, if he's not, he's close to it. He's thrown as well as much as anybody in the country. So they can burn you there, but I mean, you can, you can just make them entirely one dimensional. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're not that efficient of a passing team uh, that they'll kill you on it. But I mean, I mean, when I say take you out of it, I mean, you, you'll, you'll hold it to 50 or under if you really want to. Um, basically, you can decide. Uh, probably their most talented offensive lineman, Matthew Bedford, tore his ACL in the first game against Illinois. Uh, and since then, they've been using a redshirt freshman and the Division II transfer named Parker Hanna, who was the only transfer they got. Um, so, you know, I, I think, you know, they had a decent week under Rod Carey, who's a new offensive line coach who had been defensive quality control assistant. And you guys know him out that way. Obviously, he was uh, head coach at Temple um, and before he got fired. And, you know, I mean, he's he, he, I, I think he's going to do it, a, a, you know, passable, adequate job um, with them. And he's he's taken on and, and you know, he's, he's been sort of publicly um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, reticent. There's another word, um, but but just, you know, wasn't thrilled about being put in that position but says hey somebody's got to do it said you know like he was asked what kind of impact do you think you can make because i really don't know uh you know it's halfway through the year i barely know these guys um and and he said but you know i'm, I'm doing it because tom allen asked me to do it which does speak well i think for tom allen basically tom allen asked you to do something it's really hard to say no you know like he's he's got that kind of um it's not an aura, but basically like he, he inspires people that way. Um, and, you know, if, even from all the new coaches, like the one thing that you keep hearing is that they generally really, really like him. Um, so again, it's, 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 it's the, the most closely bonded three and four coaching staff in the country. I think. Um, <laughs> they really like each other, man. I believe it. They're all really good guys. They're just three and four. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think, it's just there's just not a dominant guy up there. I mean, there, there's you know several guys who are okay, um, but you know they they just ultimately are not. Um, you don't have one of them that you could just say, okay, well, nobody's beating that guy. You know, nobody's be or, or or nobody's beating these three guys up the middle. You know, it's it's it seems like the sacks are pretty well spread around. I mean, I, I think um, you know where Bedford was, you're seeing more of them come from the right side. I think Luke Haggard, left tackle, is probably their best guy. Um, but you know, you you've seen him get beat also. You've seen them, you know, get beat with stumps up the middle. Um, you know, it's just they they are. It's I mean, I've seen worse offensive lines, and they're probably ultimately better than they were a year ago. Um, but they're just still not great, and they're just they're 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 not getting a lot of push in the run game. Um, you know, Bazelak is facing. It, it's not a constantly crumbling pocket, but it, it goes down enough. He's been sacked uh, as much as anybody else in the Big Ten. I think I think Indiana has given up the most sacks the last time I checked. Um, and there's more times that Bazelak is just throwing it away. I mean, he's not super mobile. He can he can break a run every once in a while. He's not the slowest guy in the world playing quarterback, but he's not super fast. He's not super agile, shifty, anything like that. He's a pretty rigid, boxy kind of uh, body. And so most of the time when the, when the pressure breaks through, he just throws it away. So a lot of incompletions come from just don't have enough time to let the play develop, just have to throw it up to the sideline and hope somebody's in that direction so he doesn't get a grounded penalty. Um, so, yeah, bot- bottom line, to answer your question originally how it was asked, uh, yes, that is something that Rutgers can take advantage of for sure. You mentioned Connor Bazalak. How do you assess his performance, you know, given the fact he's been under such kind of intense pressure in, in the pocket? It's it's wild. I think it's interesting because he's um, 
he's got this incredibly even personality. Like he is uh, just so flatline that it's almost like I, I, I wrote a big feature on him and I said like his, his press conferences are so bland. It's like, it's a bit, it's like, he's like actually trying to make a joke of how bland and boring you can be in front of a microphone. Um, and, you know, you talk to, you know, I, like I said, I, I dealt back to his history and I, I talked to, you know, former high school teammates of his who are now playing lower level college ball. He's got one good buddy who's playing at Dayton, uh, who was, who played with him since like fifth grade. And he gave me all these great quotes and, and stuff about him. And he said, like, he's just so even doesn't change at all. Um, and so that, that personality really shines through. But if you, if you were to look at kind of his performances uh it, it looks like it's the opposite it looks like the opposite kind of guy because he he'll have these stretches where he completes like 10 in a row and then he'll have his the stretch where he misses like seven in a row um so like when he's on he's really sharp and when he's off he's really off um which again, just it, it is the opposite of his personality the opposite of the way that 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 people talk about him um as just you know it is the way that he comes through. So, you know, there have been times where he's been really good and there's been times when he hasn't and pressure has something to do with that, but that's not everything. You know, there, there have been times when he's had plenty of time in the pocket. There's times when he's run himself into trouble, uh, basically when he, when he's taken a couple of steps outside the pocket or, or he's, um, you know, kind of seen pressure coming when it hasn't been, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, one other beat writer was in the press in, in the uh, press box. I think last week, saying like against Michigan, saying like he's seeing ghosts out there, man. There's not even, you know, he's throwing it away when there's not guys to throw it away from. Um, so pressure has something to do with it, but that's not all of it. You know, there there have been makeable throws uh, that didn't include pressure or or, or, or didn't include uh, an amount of pressure that he couldn't avoid, um, where he still he still missed. But then he'll go on a run where he'll hit ten and eleven in a row, and they're right where they're supposed to be. Um, so. There's, it's just been a lot of up and down, and, and it, it's it, it, it's an interesting situation because, um, you know, I, I, there are fan bases that are like, why doesn't he make a move? And then, like, right after that, base like, we'll hit 10 in a row. And you're like, okay, well, if you're Tom Allen, like, how do you say, you know, when's the time to change? Because, like, just when you think, like, I, I can't have this guy out there anymore, he'll hit six in a row, and all of a sudden you have this great drive. I mean, like, their good drives look really pretty. You know what I mean? Like, they are art. Um, and their bad ones are three – three plays and out and they last less than a minute because they're running up to the line and playing tempo. Um, so like this, the, the difference between when the Indiana offense looks good with Bayslack and when it looks bad, it's just, it, it is just such a polar opposite view. Cause when they're, when they're sharp, they look really good. And when they're not, you know, I mean, you, you barely even realize they were out in the field. They're gone so fast. Um, Dustin, just the, obviously the defense has been one of the worst in the big 10. I mean, what's kind of been the big issue on that side of the ball. That's, that's kind of left them so vulnerable. Yeah, they're a bunch. I mean, I think um, it, it, it's funny because we, we keep saying like they're, they, that's where more of their talent is, uh, is on defense and on offense. And, uh, you know, some part of their them being at the, at the bottom of those ranks does come from the offensive tempo um, because they're, you know, like the offense is running more plays than anybody else. So the defense is seeing more plays than anybody else. Um, but the yard, yards per is still pretty bad, too. You know, I mean, like, I don't know if they're if, if they're last in the Big Ten and I don't have it in front of me, if they're last in the Big Ten in yards allowed, they're probably 11th and 12th in yards per play, you know, somewhere in that range. Like it's a little bit lesser uh, and some of it does come the amount of tempo that they show. Um, but, you know, I, I think just what stands out is that they've had big play breakdowns. And, and that's, you know, Tom Allen's defense is built to give up yards and chunks. It's basically like it's it's a lot of zone. It's try to get interceptions, takeaways, sacks, you know, throw a lot of aggression and be willing to live with, you know, giving up yards and 10 play chunks or whatever, but just bowing up when you get to the goal line, um, you know, is, is sort of how it works. Is like it, it, Alan's view is 
current offenses are such that you're not unless you're you know 2015 Alabama you're not shutting anybody down you know like you're, you're gonna have to live and, and even Alabama just gave up 40, you know 52 points to Tennessee so it, it tells you like just where the game is going um so you got to be able to live with that but but on the flip side what you do to counteract that is try to take the football back you know like have guys with their eyes on the ball you know and, and that's something what they've gone back to this year because Allen's taken back uh, defensive play calling duties. You know, he really felt like they got too into playing man to man with Carl DeLore and their defensive coordinator last year. So Allen's like, okay, I'm taking this back. Hiring a defensive coordinator is kind of going to study under me and, and, and kind of organize the defense so I don't have to take the same kind of time during the week. But on game day, I want to be the one who's making the calls. Um, and he wanted to do that so he was bringing more pressure, putting, you know, just more zone vision, more, more guys playing with their eyes on the quarterback um, as opposed to just locking onto a man. And so with that that means okay you know from time to time guys are gonna you know quarterbacks are gonna find cushions uh and, and find windows and, and get yards that way but you know every once in a while you'll get a tip ball and somebody will pick it off and so they they've gotten better at that because last year they were just they went from like top of the country in 2020 to bottom of the country in, in 2021 um so you're seeing more aggression you're seeing more sacks you see the son mccullough out there as an edge guy as a true freshman who's made a pretty big impact with four sacks and just a, a, is trouble when it comes to that um but you know a, a lot of that is still predicated by you don't get beat deep you don't let people get behind you and on too many occasions they've let people get, get behind them um and so you, you, you've seen just some blatant ones it was 75 yard touchdown against cincinnati um uh, you know, I think there was like one against Michigan. There was definitely one against Nebraska. I think Trey Palmer got deep and it's just you know, guys that are some of their experienced players who were all big, you know, they had three, three guys back on this defense were on in this secondary were all big 10 in 2020, you know, and, and Taiwan Mullen was an all American. And, you know, those three guys have not been performing quite at that level uh, that Taiwan Mullen, Devin, Devon Matthews um, and Jalen Williams, just, you know, they've, they've had some breakdowns. They've had some really good moments and they've had some big breakdowns and they've been you know shown up. Um, so I think that's that's the biggest area, but they're still having tackling issues. Uh, you know, that's something that really stood out, um, you know, on Saturday against Maryland, where they had guys just close to that they got to make a tackle and don't. Um, and so that, that those are all pretty key. Um, got a couple, you know, they, they also lost probably their best player. Cam Jones just went down to a foot injury and they're, they're going to be missing him for several weeks. Who knows if it'll be the season? You know, at this point, there's not a whole lot of weeks left. Um, so, you know, that, that's another area that they had two really good performing linebackers. I think Aaron Casey has been their best defensive player this year who stepped up uh, as a starter into Micah McFadden's role. Um, and, you know, they, they've been okay then, but they still had tackling issues. But, uh, and, you know, they, they don't have they, – they never expect the defensive line to be a major, uh, major strength. They were going to be okay there, and they're okay. I mean, they're, they're not terrible. Um, but, you know, they, they don't have a guy – um, you know, again, McCullough is mostly a third down guy who's just been really, really effective in his job, but is, you know, is, is built more like a wide receiver, honestly. Um, so he's not an every down defensive end. Um, and so they haven't gotten, they, they don't have anybody in that front four that really blows you away. Uh, they've got guys that are okay, but they're not killing you. Um, and so, you know, since they don't have anything up there, the linebackers are pretty good, but you need to have that secondary perform at a high level. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's been okay at best and it's been gutted at worst. And Dustin, we'll wrap up on this one. But when you look ahead to Saturday, uh, two teams that seem very similar. I mean, a lot of the points you made about the Hoosiers are points that we make about this Rutgers team every week. Uh, they're both going through some coaching changes. They both struggle struggle with turnovers and inconsistency. Some bright spots on, on both sides of the balls, but uh, also plenty of question marks as well. So when you look ahead to this game, uh, Indiana on the road at Rutgers, uh, how do you see things playing out on Saturday? 
Well, I think this game will be largely avoided by most of the college football watching public. <laughs> <laughs> for, for one thing, I think uh, we'll be watching, and that'll be about it. Um, we'll be there. We'll be there. We'll be. We, I'm, they're not sending me. I'll be watching on TV, and I'll be saluting you guys from my couch. Um, but uh, bottom line, um, you know, I mean, it, it could go a bunch of different ways. I mean, like obviously, looking at Rutgers' situation, new offense coordinator, nobody knows who's going to be going to play quarterback. Um, so, I mean, like Tom Allen's like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> we'll figure it out. He's you know, not the we'll only one. Everything, and we'll presume <laughs> that they can't change that much. But it's a bye week anyway, and it's a new coordinator, so. We'll just, you know, I guess they're going to run the ball. You know, we're, we're going to just sort of guess what's going to happen. Um, so, no, I mean, I, I, I'm i fascinated by what's going to go on. Uh, I have I have no idea um, exactly what's going to take shape there. I mean, I, I you know, um, both teams are in a position where, like, man, if, if, if you're not winning this game, when are you winning? Um, you know, so you got to figure both are going to be motivated to try to beat somebody. So, um, yeah, I, it could go either way, man. I don't know. I mean, like, you know, we'll, Chris, who do you guys think is going to play quarterback? Or, or is an, is one guy going to play I'm like Tom Allen. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kind of have my, I have my like, you know, ideas. I have my guesses. I, I'm, I'm going to probably guess that they start with Noah Vedral, but that's completely, that's a complete guess. I have no He's idea. Throwing darts at the wall, right? Yeah. 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 Like, good. No okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, it's so, I, I don't know. I mean, like, and if, if you, you could look at it on paper and say, okay, well, Indiana has an advantage there um, because Rutgers is still going to be figuring itself out. Um, and you know, like, are, are they going to be one dimensional or are they going to only be able to run the ball? Um, but like, you know, Maryland became wholly one dimensional on Saturday when Talia Tagovailoa goes down. Um, you know, I mean, they didn't complete a pass after that, uh, you know, brought in a new quarterback. Didn't, they had rushed for, I think 47 yards in the first three quarters. So they rushed for 127 in the fourth. So even practically knowing what Maryland was going to do, operating with a lead at home, they couldn't stop Maryland from running the football. So like, a lot. yeah. And, and so it's just like, okay, like uh, you could look at it on paper and say, well, this, you know, Rutgers might not be easy to game plan for because you don't know what there is, but you're also looking at it and say, well, there's just not that much that can beat you. Well, sure there is. <laughs> there, are, there are football players with working legs. That's enough. You know, that's, that, that, that can happen. So yeah, and you, you just you, you you don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. You know who's going to be motivated. Um, how how is everybody going to deal with what they've had to deal with? Indiana going back on the road. What what does that do? Um, you know, all, all of those things. I mean, who's who's going to show up and really want to play the football game? Because you know, again, I mean, like they've got reason to really want to care. But I mean, if you're Indiana, you say, okay, well, this is kind of our last chance. But you're also looking at it down the road. It's like you get a bye week after that, and then you've got Penn, Penn State and Ohio State. And, you know, then, I mean, if, if you beat Rutgers, you can convince yourself you still have hope to beat Michigan State and Purdue at the end and somehow luck your way into six. Um, you can talk yourself into that. Now, do I think they will win either one of those games at this point? No, I don't. Um, but, you know, Michigan State is certainly more vulnerable than we thought they would be. Um, you know, coming off of last year, you, you knew losing Walker, they would be worse, but you thought, okay, well, they, they should still be at least able to do something. Um, and they, they've been, I think, worse than a lot of us expected. Um, and, you know, but Purdue, I think, is better than we thought than they were going to be. Um, and Indiana always presumes it's got a shot against Purdue. I don't know if it really does, but you could at least talk yourself into it if you win this game. Um, so there, there's enough motivation for Indiana to really, really care. Um, but, you know, they, they've had 
plenty of motivation to win all the rest of them. Um, and that hasn't necessarily made a difference. So, yeah, it, it, I mean, it, you know, I, I, both cases, you know, to win a football game, both teams have to play better football than we've seen them play so far. Absolutely. It will be interesting, maybe for all the wrong reasons, but interesting nonetheless <laughs> yeah. on Saturdays. Indiana yes. takes It'll be intriguing. I, I, if, if, if you do tune in and you don't watch Syracuse Clemson or, or whatever else is on at noon, um, this will be a football game. It'll be yeah. intriguing. Don't know if it happens. So, and, like, and ugly football is better than no football, of course. Exactly. That's also awesome. true. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how things play out on Saturday. Dustin, thank you so much for stopping by the show again. Thanks for all the great info. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. And again, thanks to our colleague Dustin Doperak from coming for coming to the show from Bloomington and the Indy Star. Uh, a great in-depth look at Indiana, and and as we kind of highlighted there, uh, a team similar to Rutgers. You know, they've they've had a coaching change, they've had some inconsistency, uh, some pretty good defense, but also a lot of things that they need to improve upon. So when you look ahead to this game, Chris, and it's time to make some predictions for Saturday. Rutgers coming off of the bye, the change at offensive coordinator. Do they finally, finally get it done in a winnable game at home against a Big Ten opponent? Ryan, I am going to say that Rutgers finds a way to get a win. I just, uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm not confident in it. I have not been confident in many of my picks this year. I was not confident <laughs> in the Nebraska pick. I'm not confident in this one. But I think that Rutgers offense will kind of figure some things out and again as i said earlier they don't need to be a lot of state just move the ball find a way to score when you get opportunities i think the defense can take advantage of of a you know a pretty bad offensive indiana offensive line get some pressure on uh, on their quarterback um you know force him into some bad situations uh and and you know you'll see if maybe the, the defense can get some takeaways and and like i said get the offense some short fields to work with and some good opportunities I think Rutgers escapes with a close one. I'm going to go 24-21 Rutgers, um, which giving them 24 points is a lot considering the way they play, but but also that they're able to, to find a way to get a win. And, again, not confident, but we'll see. <laughs> Steve, how about you? Well, I was wrong in the Iowa prediction. I thought Rutgers could do that. I was wrong against Nebraska. So take that for what it's worth. I'm going to go with Rutgers here. I, I think I think it's a good matchup for them, their defense against this offense. Um, I think with Vedral back, I think that gives them a chance to kind of stabilize the offense. Um, again, uh, I'm not that confident, as Chris said, but I think they'll win a close game. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go 14-10, Rutgers. Yeah, I'm the same way. I picked them to beat Iowa. I did pick them to lose to Nebraska. I'm back and forth on this one. I do think they win. I do think they find a way to win. It might not be the the most exciting brand of football you ever see. Uh, the the Broncos and Colts might you know get off the hook after this game uh, in terms of an offensive explosion. But I think you will see, like Steve said earlier, consistency at the quarterback position. And I think that will be Noah Vedral. I think you'll see him in kind of a game manager role. You know, they're really not going to do anything out of the ordinary, anything spectacular, but it will just be consistent football, three and a half yards at a time. And I do think they win in a low-scoring game. I like it 17-14 Rutgers to win. It won't be the prettiest football around. It won't be the most exciting football you ever see, but a win's a win, and then they're two away from a bowl game. So I do think they get it done. 
And like the two of you, I'm not especially confident in that. As we said, it's a kind of a I'll believe it when I see it type approach to the Scarlet Knights team. But I, I do think they get it done at home Saturday against a beatable opponent. So, of course, we will break down this game uh, on our next episode. We'll preview the upcoming games for the Scarlet Knights as well. Again, be sure to visit app.com and northjersey.com to read Chris and Steve's reporting on the Scarlet Knights. Be sure to tell your friends about the podcast if you like what you hear and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. And we'll be back next week to break it all down for you. Thank you so much for listening. For Steve and Chris, I'm Ryan. We'll talk to you next time on The Chop.